0: Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I'm your host, Amanda Bruce. Now, before we start our interview of the day, allow me to bring some important information to you. Think of it as NPM's parish announcements, if you will. First off, we are excited to announce Shop, Sip, and Sing, which is an opportunity to connect directly with convention exhibitors on NPM's virtual convention platform. The NPM convention is not over yet. We are pleased to offer the opportunity to connect with exhibitors on the platform for one night only for an event we're calling Shop, Sip, and Sing. This will be on August 31st, which is a week from today, from 5.30 Eastern to 10.30 Eastern, which is 2.30 Pacific to 7.30 Pacific. Most events will be taking place on the virtual convention platform and will be open to registered convention participants if you registered for either a full convention registration, which means you're still having access to the convention platform, or a limited convention registration, which gave you access to the platform for the week of July 7th through 10th. Either way, you will have access to Shop, Sip, and Sing. Now, what is Shop, Sip, and Sing? Over the course of the evening, our exhibitors have assembled live Zoom tutorials, um, demonstrations of new products, and a chance to sit down and explore specific genres of music and other topics that they think you would be most benefited by. Even more so, more than anything, it's an opportunity for you to connect and talk directly with exhibitors so that you can share your needs at this time, whether that's during COVID-19 or in general. This is a great opportunity to connect truly with exhibitors and have their ear. So if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at ministrymonday at npm.org. Otherwise, check out for more information, our NPM social media, which is NPM National. Our second event that evening on Shop, Sip, and Sing is the sing portion of the evening, which actually will be live for everyone in the public. At 9 p.m. Eastern Time, which is 6 p.m. Pacific Time, we will be live streaming the sing portion of the event on our Facebook page. And the sing portion of our event will be the best of the best in terms of brand new music that all of our exhibitors have pulled together and decided on on their own. So we are so excited to bring you the best of the best, whether you registered for the convention or not. And so we encourage you to sing along with us at home. Home, hence the sing portion of the event, at 9 o'clock Eastern next Monday via our Facebook page, NPM National. The last announcement I want to give you is the new program that I want to remind you about that we're working on here at Ministry Monday. We've started a new series on the podcast to feature you. Yes. You, (laughs) NPM Spotlight is a new series for our podcast, Ministry Monday, that allows you to nominate yourself or others to be featured on the podcast. I'd love to talk with you about what you are doing in ministry that's working. Maybe you have specific budgetary constraints, especially due to COVID-19. Or maybe you minister to a bilingual community, and that might not necessarily mean Spanish. Maybe there are some other considerations in terms of a parish merger that you're undergoing that you have found are working. Either way, I want to hear from you, and I'd love to talk with you and feature you on the podcast. NPM Spotlight will feature pastoral musicians across our country and our world. So email me to nominate a fellow pastoral musician to be interviewed. The email address is ministrymonday at npm.org. And now to our interview today. Today on the podcast, I have the blessing and the gift to speak to Damaris Tiet. Damaris is the director for the Office of Worship for the Archdiocese of Santa Fe. Damaris is also a published composer with Oregon Catholic Press, co creating two collections of liturgical music in Spanish, as well as two Spanish Mass settings. Today, Demadis and I talk about the pastoral needs she tends to in her archdiocese, both before and during this time of special ministerial circumstances due to COVID-19. She helps us all consider the needs of those we cannot reach with technology. How do they feel included in a parish community when our access to one another is limited? Okay, this morning on Ministry Monday, we have Damaris Tiet with us. Uh, Hi Damaris, it's so nice to have you here.
1: Oh, Good morning, Amanda, thank you, thank you. I'm very happy to be here with all of you.
0: Thank you. So Damaris, where do you currently minister and what way do you currently
1: minister? I am currently at the Archdiocese of Santa Fe. I am the Director for the Office of Worship.
0: Okay, how long have you had that position?
1: Wow, a year and five months. Okay, guys. Very nice. <laughs> <Fair> <laughs> enough. Enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so
0: how has life been in the office of worship? How have things been in the last six months?
1: That's a very good question, Amanda. Um, it has been, as you know, for all of us, a big challenge, a big challenge. Um, we were not expecting this, none of us were expecting this COVID-19 so it has been very challenging for us it was it was kind of um i don't know it, it was it was kind of difficult in a sense of we were ready to celebrate the last rite of election at the archdiocese with our archbishop wester and um, we had to cancel it because of covid-19 so as you know we received a lot of phone calls, how you know we manage this scrutiny and how we do this, we do that, and the sacraments, celebration of sacraments. So it was it was a challenge. And besides that, we were not and I'm talking on behalf of myself, not too familiar with the most recent technology, like Zoom. You know, so I didn't know how to use them. I was forced to use them, so and I'm sure not the only one that went through the same process so it, it has been very challenging and um besides that, as you know, we have different cultures, the presence of different cultures cultures in the archdiocese, and um, to be able to serve pastorally the needs of the different communities, it has been quite a challenge because we don't have all the answers. So we are learning day by day with this situation.
0: Yes, How? How? It, let's talk to that real quick about, of course, the many different cultures that you minister to within your archdiocese. Um, what are some of
1: the needs that you have seen start to arise? Uh, the most challenging one is to be able to reach out to the Hispanic community because the way you communicate with the Hispanic community is very different. And not only with the Hispanic community, I would say with any community, um, but they have different different ways to communicate. And I'm gonna give you an example. When I talked to the director of the Hispanic Ministry Office, my colleague, she is always looking the way. I said to Maris, how can we um, look at other ways to share the information and to communicate with them? Because so many don't have access to Wi-Fi or internet or they don't have any devices, they don't have a smartphone. And um, besides that, they don't manage the language. So they, those that are immigrants, they speak only Spanish so it's quite a challenge even though that we have the mexican americans they are bilingual actually they speak more english than spanish but it's a challenge because we're trying to serve the whole church you know so um yeah that's the most i think it's the most sensitive area how to reach out to them Mm -hmm.
0: have you found any ways so far any um, any ways to minister in particular that has been successful in light of those challenges?
1: Well, the personal contact, calling. Mm. One of the things I was able to do was um, put together conference calls. Um, my my um, assistants, <laughs> I'm sure they remember the struggle for us to have a conversation with 60 something people, okay, over the phone. It's, it's you know, <laughs> it was very challenging, but we survived. But it was amazing to hear people saying, Thank you for calling us. Thank you for looking the way to communicate with us. So that was the best way for us, especially in the beginning. That was the best way to reach out to them. And then they also use WhatsApp, that application. They Mm -hmm. use that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very interesting, not too many are into Facebook. So sometimes we offer a lot of things in Facebook and they're not all connected in Facebook. Some of the reasons, um, I would say the most important one is about putting their own information in the platform. Mm -hmm. Because there's fear. There's some people Mm -hmm. with a lot of fear based on their legal status in the United States so we need to think about all those elements those aspects because it really affects the ministry it really affects how we evangelize how we reach out to them so we need to look all kind of mechanisms to to evangelize yes i agree
0: with you i i think also the challenges technologically that you've described too, I think they really do reach a large amount of the Catholic Church in general as well, not just the Hispanic community too. I mean, um, I'm sure all of us have someone in our church that says, "I don't have a computer," "I don't," "I don't use a computer," and you know, there are a lot of people who are either elderly, homebound, or just simply cannot—they—they they cannot afford to have technology mm-hmm. like that. Um, So phone calls are a very, they seem like a wonderful, simple way for that interaction.
1: And it's amazing, Amanda. Sometimes we assume that people have what I have or what you have. And that's not the reality. When you have those conversations, you discover so much. You know, when you have that personal interaction and you learn a lot and you receive a lot and you discover a lot and that will give you the tools to serve them better. How did you organize
0: that type of contact? I'm sure that was kind of a challenge to try and make sure everyone was reached out to. And of course, I'm sure you, know, you cannot do it all. So what are some of the simple ways that you have found that work well for organizing that?
1: You know, I think it's crucial. Um, it is important to have your eye into key people in different communities. Because you, you have someone that has that connection with the whole community. And in this case, of course, you know, I contacted the Hispanic Ministry Office and we work together um, very well. And, um, and she will, you know, contact those people in the different communities. She has that group. And I, I am developing Little by little, that group, since I'm kind of new here in the archdiocese. So that's what I used to do before. So I tried to implement the same thing. And um, that's the only thing you have to do. Okay, this is a great person, has a great leadership and knows the community. So let me reach out to this person. And you need to keep that follow up. See how are things going, you know, just give me a report. How's everything going? Is there anything I can do? If I need to go, if I need to visit, if I need to call, so you need to make yourself available and part of the journey and part of the process. You know, it's not just saying you take care of that. No, you need to keep that communication with that group of leaders too. You know, um, it's, that is crucial. And also, you look in the ways. When you, do you know anyone that has any specific need in your community? Or do you, can you recommend me someone? and um, Reach out to them. Call them and create that group, that support group. You know that team that will help you. I have two other pe- people in the office; they're my assistants. So we work as a team. So we, we really—it's not that I am the director. We work together, and that's the key. We need to work in collaboration. We need to work as a team. Okay, if you work independently and I'm no, the boss, or and the, you know that doesn't work. It, you know, you have to to honestly believe in a teamwork, the power of working together. I think too,
0: I mean, maybe I'm just speaking for myself, but I found that at least in the first couple of weeks of COVID, there was so much change and it was so jarring that I did tend to feel like I was in my own camp. and just kind of thought, well, I have to get through this. I have to get through this. But like you said, that's that's not the way to work right now. That is absolutely not the way to work. We have to interact with one another and have that support system and team to make sure that all are ministered
1: to in the right way. Absolutely. And as simple as saying, okay, today I'm going to call two, you know, and tomorrow I call another two. And so you keep that connection. And um, honestly, there's... You know, there's there's so much need out there and we really need to be very intentional. How can I serve better? You know, that will give you the tools. I have no doubt. Right. So
0: let's transition a little bit to liturgy within the archdiocese that you've been finding. Um, What are some of the things that um, the Archdiocese of Santa Fe is doing right now in terms of safety and still engaging people in ministry
1: and liturgy? Well, in terms of safety, our Archbishop is really um, caring for people. Absolutely. You know, for the people of God, that's the priority. So he's following the medical um, professionals, of course, He's following the governor in ter- in the ter- in terms of you know regulations and um, directives that we need to follow when it comes to capacity for people's safety and um, and also the USCCB United States Conference of Bishops. You know he's really following those directives, so trying to protect people and to do things the best we can. As I mentioned in the beginning, we don't have all the answers. We don't. We can't say that's the perfect model or the per- perfect way, <laughs> because we are all trying to look the best way to serve the people of God, you know? So right now, that's what we're doing. People, we are not encouraging, of course, congregational singing. Um, right now, we just have a cantor or a vocalist singing with an accompanist. the the music is minimal during the liturgies trying to avoid to protect people so those kind of things and when it comes to the reception of the holy communion we we keep we were keeping that to the end of the celebration so people just receive consume and then they go home trying to avoid you know that kind of um just trying to keep the social distancing and to make it easier for people so, we are really following the USCCV recommendation.
0: How long have you had masses reopened, if you will, for the public within the Archdiocese? We
1: we had, the, let me see, the first Sunday was May 16th. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. that was the first Sunday for reopening our churches here mm-hmm. in the Archdiocese of Santa Fe.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah. So in the three months that the Archdiocese has been reopened, have you seen um, any backsliding or anything where you had to change and reduce the number of people? Or have you been able to grow and expand a little bit and allow more people? How's that been looking?
1: Actually, the, the governor has been very, very steady when it comes to the percentage, you know, the capacity is 25%. Okay. And it has been like that. I remember we received a notification on Thursday, which was the 13th, if I'm not wrong, May 13th, it was 10%. And the following day, it was 25. So so that's really the same number we have right now. So it has been very, very, very steady. And our exhibition has been very, very steady with the directives, just reinforcing them, of course. Mm-hmm. You know he, one of the things he shared with all the pastors that you can make them more strict, but you cannot make them less you know than that right. okay, so we need to keep that, and he is really reinforcing that, and he's very firm on that for the common good of the people of God you know? right right, right exactly, good.
0: Well, um, as we wrap our wrap up our time together, let me just ask you one more question. So, of course, a lot of people who are listening to this podcast are music ministers. And so um, we've talked a little bit, actually quite a bit, about how to connect um, and just engage with everyone and make sure that all feel supported. Um, but specifically in the music ministry, do you have any recommendations for pastoral musicians who are listening who are maybe struggling a little bit with trying to find their voice, if you will, for lack of a better term, um, in making sure that f- people feel supported. Is there any advice or thoughts you can give to pastor musicians listening right now?
1: Absolutely. Um, I think uh, it is crucial to keep that contact, to connect with choir members. If you're a music director, or music coordinator in the parish, it is crucial that you keep that connection with the members and even though it, if you're not the coordinator or the director take the initiative to call the members client members because it's so important i do remember so many people saying i feel so lonely when we have those conversations you know over the phone mm-hmm. um what, what's going to happen with us we are not singing we're not doing the ministry so we need to encourage them and to tell them you know let's pray as simple as let's take a few minutes to pray. Let's call another choir member, so you can assign that and and say, okay, tomorrow we're gonna call um, Maria. We're gonna call John. You know, so it's a good way to do that. And also, this is a great time to learn new things. You know, since you are at home and you're not active in the ministry, what a great time if you don't read music. Check. There's so many things that you know, are offered free. They're offering a lot of workshops, a lot of things that are free. Take advantage of that. You know, learn a little something every day. And, um, you know, and just take initiative to probably have lecture Divina, have the liturgy of the hours, and invite people, encourage others to be, you know, the leader for that one. Okay, can you take care of this, you know, tomorrow night? Or just assign them to do, to do that um also today with the technology i'm sure you have some younger people in the group or maybe in the community and tell them can you put together this virtual prayer with one song and you can easily create and guide people on how to do that because some people are afraid to say no 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 i'm not good in technology i'm not going to record nothing so if you create a model of that a simple video okay this is how you do it put your headphones and use your, your cell phone, Add someone to, to take a video or whatever. But those are practical things, and it's amazing the feedback I received from one of those projects. You know, um, I had another colleague, and she was not from Santa Fe, from, from the Archaeus. She was from Miami. And I called her and said, can you support us because you're an expert on this? And she was so good. And she kept sending them messages, you're doing great, just fix this, fix that. So they were able to learn how to do it and to meet new people. Mm -hmm. And it was very inspiring. So those are things you can do, you know, of so many other things. I'm sure the Holy Spirit will give you even more, more creativity Mm -hmm. at this time.
0: I think if we ever had any doubt before, which I, I doubt that we did, but if we ever had any doubt about it, it's very clear that at the core of music ministry or any ministry, it's really a ministry of connection and inclusion.
1: Uh, and absolutely, Amanda, and it's a ministry of relationships. Mm-hmm. Maybe you have a multicultural um, community and maybe you didn't have the opportunity to meet that person or, or to have a good conversation. Maybe this is the time, in the meantime, just create those relationships or improve them. Mm -hmm. So this will be a great time to know who is part of your community of faith. And and even if you are a music minister, know your community, we're supposed to know our community of faith. Mm -hmm. What a great opportunity to say, Father, can you connect me? Can you give me specific people? Maybe this person is in charge of the, the prayer group, when the charismatic movement or crucio um, the youth group the hispanic group the vietnamese i don't know so what a great thing to bring them together in zoom let us pray together bring all those leaders come together and pray together listening to each other what a wonderful opportunity to do this you know i agree i agree
0: Well, Damaris, I could talk with you for another half an (laughs) hour.
1: Me too. with (laughs)
0: Um, Thank you for sharing your thoughts. Thank you for taking your time today to speak with us on the podcast. And thank you for everything you're doing also in the archdiocese, but also just for ministers in general. So thank you so much for your time today, Damaris.
1: Oh, thank you. Thank you for the invitation. This is a blessing for me. I will keep you my prayers. Let us keep praying together for the people of God. Amen. Thank you.
0: so much to Damaris for her guidance, both in her diocese and with us. More than anything, we need each other, plain and simple. For more information about Damaris and to hear a sample of her Misa San Juan Bautista, visit the show notes of this episode on ministrymonday.org. The recording of Esa Me Basta, Señor was produced by World Library Publications and was co-written by Damaris Tiet, and our theme music was written and produced by Aaron Schaus. Today's episode was produced by me, Amanda Bruce. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thanks for listening. Have a great week, and we'll see you back here next Monday.
1: Eso me basta Señor, eso me basta.